As a conventional angler, you have two options, spinning tackle and casting tackle, but which is better? We're going to talk about that and more on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to you once again by Sportsman's Warehouse, as it has been from the get-go of all things Fistful Thinker, Sportsman's Warehouse has been our title partner. Check those guys out this holiday season. We would appreciate it very much. Plus, they have all the goods for you and all of the outdoorsmen on your list. So let's talk about spinning tackle versus casting tackle. The reason I want to talk about this, guys, is I get lots and lots of questions about this one. It's a surprisingly common email uh, that I get is revolves around either when to choose one or the other or how to get used to casting tackle or something along those lines. But it seems like a lot of people almost want to force the issue to casting tackle. And there's times when I've wondered about that. I, I never kind of have figured out why uh, there seems to be a certain draw uh, outside of performance. I mean, not not related to how they actually work, but just the mystique or with the uh, the image or the ego that goes with the casting rod. And <clears throat> maybe it's because when we watch fishing on TV, um, which is, of course, dominated by bass fishing these days and has been for a long time, uh, you see those guys are almost always throwing casting tackle. And I get it. Casting tackle is really fun. I love to do it. I've been doing it my whole life. I learned it as a young kid, and uh, and I'm very proficient with a fly rod, spinning rod, or a casting rod. That's, that's not an issue for me. But I don't see any one of them as black and white better or worse than the other one when it comes to spinning tackle or casting tackle particularly. <clears throat> each has their strengths and each has their weaknesses. And like anything else that we do uh, here at Fishful Tanker, we try to pick the bones out of that and say, okay, well, I would rather choose the right tool for the job, not whichever one that I happen to like to use more. And that is definitely something that I think um, is, is part of it. I think some people try to force the issue with casting tackle. And I've seen that on guide trips a whole bunch uh, when I'm guiding people is, is people want to push the issue uh, and, and they want the casting tackle, but they can't tell me why they want the casting tackle. So first of all, let's talk about the fundamental difference between the two. And, uh, and, and, and outwardly, you're going to say, well, one reel's on top and one reel's on the bottom. But really, the fundamental difference is this. When you take a spinning reel, <clears throat> the spool is stationary and the rotor wraps the line around the spool. And conventional tackle, or casting tackle, I should say, is the spool uh, itself is spinning. And so fundamentally, that's a major thing. But beyond that, the spinning reel spool is 90, degree, 90 degrees to the direction that the line is coming off of the spool. And that's a major I don't want to say design flaw, but it can be a major problem. And the reason is this. If you take a filament, any kind of filament, doesn't matter what it is, and you try to wrap it around a spool that is 90 degrees to its axis, and you're going to have to twist it. And if you don't believe me, try it with your garden hose. If you've got like an old wheels, like the old garden hose reels that are strapped to the side of the wall, of your house, you have to manually twist that garden hose to make it go around that 
that uh, spool and lay there comfortably. And if you don't, the garden hose gets kinked and twisted up funny and, and it doesn't lay on there nice and smooth. No difference with a spinning rod. If you are spinning reel, when you bring that filament in through those guides and then you turn it 90 degrees and wrap it around the spool, it has to twist the whole time. It, it's just the dynamics of taking that filament and doing that with it. And it doesn't matter if it's nylon monofilament or braided line, it still is going to twist itself when it goes around that spool. It's part of the dynamics of the whole thing. A casting reel, on the other hand, because the line comes off of there linearly, in other words, the spool and the line are turning the same direction, the line does not twist. Okay, so that line twist is what creates so much hatred of spinning reels amongst a lot of people. Conversely, what creates hatred of casting tackle <laughs> amongst a lot of people is the fact that if that spool spins even incrementally faster than the line is paying out of that reel, then you are going to have the dreaded bird's nest because the wraps of line that are still on the spool as that line, as the spool speeds up, those, those uh, wraps will get bigger and bigger in diameter. And invariably, one of the wraps that are coming off the reel and headed out will catch the loop and pull the loop out, and then you have the dreaded bird's nest. And that's a bummer. So both types of casting tackle and spinning tackle both have their weaknesses, and it involves around line management. In both cases, that line management can be basically uh, the most important part. And the reason I say is this. <clears throat> the only time that line twist causes you problems with a spinning reel is when you have slack line or loose wraps on your reel. If you don't have slack line, if you have control of the slack all the time, you will not have near the problems with line twist. Yes, the line twist is still there, as I just explained, and, and you can look up the dynamics of it. And, and yes, I have an educational background in aerospace engineering, uh, so I have looked it up, just for the record. Um, the only way to handle it is to control the slack at all costs. If you keep tension on line in the middle of a cast, and I don't mean you can't ever have slack line, you just can't reel that slack line in or you can't cast that slack line out, if that makes sense. So while the, while the bait's in the water and you're just fishing and if you have some slack line, well, that's not a problem. As soon as you turn that reel handle and retrieve that slack line, you have a problem. And so keep that in mind. And so I'm an advocate when you make a cast with a spinning reel of using your hand, your thumb of your non-rod hand, in other words, the hand that normally turns the reel handle, use that thumb to control the line, whether I'm using, or even I'm using a spinning rod coming off the, the, the uh, spool of the reel. So in other words, when I make a cast with a spinning rod, the hand that is not holding the rod, I will use the thumb of that hand and let it ride lightly on the spool lip of the spinning rod, the leading lip of the spool and that will create tension as the line comes off there. So that will keep any slack line issues from being a, a problem. Also, it gives me accuracy, but that's a whole nother thing, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. The ability to stop the bait wherever you want it with your thumb, as opposed to just closing the bail, is an important thing. Also, with the spinning reel, another way to keep it from tangling is to run the bail manually as opposed to using the reel handle to do it. And the biggest reason is this. If you're using the reel handle, your chance of 
wrapping one loose wrap on that spool are very high. And that only takes one loose wrap to cause a problem because that loose wrap is larger diameter than the other wraps underneath it. So when the next wrap tries to, when you go to cast, and one of those wraps is trying to turn 90 degrees and go off the reel, it's going to grab that bigger diameter one and cause you a problem. So if you control that slack, the spinning reel will not cause you a problem. And I want to point out, <clears throat> it's relatively difficult to describe this in a podcast. It's very easy if you watch it. So if you go to the Fishful Thinker YouTube channel and you look up our uh, technique series on casting a spinning rod and casting a casting rod, you will find very detailed 101, 102, and 103 level stuff for spinning reel and casting reel all on video, which will help you out. But <coughs> really my goal here was more about when to choose which is which. So I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of controlling slack. With the casting reel, you have the same issue. You still have to control slack, only you're doing it with your thumb on the spool of the reel. Now, <coughs> I am not an advocate at any level of tightening the brakes on a casting reel all the way down to control the uh, slack coming off the casting reel. I'm an advocate of learning to do it correctly because the more you tighten the brakes, the harder it is to cast. And the harder you have to cast, the more stuff goes wrong. No different than the harder you swing your golf club, the less contact you make, or the harder you swing a baseball bat, the less accurate you are with it. The key is to just be smooth and accurate. And with a casting rod, you can barely cast it and do really well if the brakes aren't hampering your cast and you're just using your thumb to control the slack line. But Again, I don't want to get too much down that rabbit hole. Both styles of tackle, spinning and casting, slack lines need to be controlled. So, having said all that, when do I want to use a spinning rod versus when do I want to use a casting rod? <clears throat> Excuse me, guys, still fighting the mono thing. It's getting better, but my voice still fights me when I talk too much, and I talk too much, so my voice still bugs me. Uh, spinning rod for me, anytime, anytime my bait is less than about a quarter of an ounce, Casting tackle goes right out the window, not, is not even in question. And really, it's probably more like, uh, I would say, three-eighths of an ounce uh, and up before I will consider casting tackle. It's rare that I'm throwing something that's only a quarter of an ounce on casting tackle. Normally, I'm going to throw uh, lighter weight stuff like that on spinning tackle across the board. And... The reason is because the spool doesn't have to spin, the heavier lure will make, will, will, as it runs out of momentum, or the lighter lure, I should say, will, as it runs out of momentum when you cast it, it runs out of momentum easier in the air, and therefore the spool on a casting rod would have to slow down faster than maybe it's designed to do. And uh, also it takes more resistance to spin that, that spool on a casting rod. So a heavier bait does better on a casting rod whereas a lighter bait is much better off on a spinning rod. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind. So anytime I'm dealing with a very lightweight bait, I want a spinning rod. I also might consider a spinning rod in a similar scenario or for a similar reason for any bait that's bulky yet lightweight, that's hard to cast. So for instance, there's some old jerk baits that, uh, that I still like to throw occasionally, particularly for walleyes in cold water really old, big lip dirt, dirt jerk baits. They have great big diving bills on them and they're horrible to cast. They don't have the, they don't have the uh, internal weight transfer system that you find in a modern jerk bait, like, uh, like for instance, a, a Berkeley Stunna that has the very, very easy to cast. 
This old jerkbait might weigh a half ounce, but it's still horrible to cast because it has so much bulk to it and it tumbles end over end in the air. It's much easier to cast on a spinning rod than a casting rod, <clears throat> even though I might normally throw a half ounce bait on a casting rod. So in other words, a lightweight bait or a bait that's hard to cast. Another situation where I'm for sure going on a spinning rod is going to be anytime I need light line. There's not a bait caster in my garage rigged with anything less than 10, and there's only 10 pound, I should say, and there's only maybe one of those. Most of them are gonna be in the 12 pound test and up range. Uh, and I'm talking about you know 20 casting rods set up in there. Almost all of them are gonna have 15 to 20 pound either nylon monofilament or fluorocarbon monofilament, or they're gonna have braided line, and with braided line that's gonna be on a casting rod is gonna start somewhere around 30 pound and go up. I am not an advocate of very light braided line on a casting rod because the light braided line, even though the tensile strength is there, it's very thin in diameter and it will tend to cut into itself under a lot of tension on the spool. So in other words, when you set the hook or you get a big strong fish that pulls <clears throat> or you pull a snag out, it will try to dig into itself on the spool and cause you sticky spots that don't want to cast out. And so that can be an issue. So I don't like really thin braid on casting rods. So if I need something like, you know, 12 or 15 pound braid, uh, then that's going on a spinning rod. And that makes a big, you know, a big difference for sure. Now, I want to point out this. Historically, before the advent of modern high quality braided lines, I would say that you automatically need to go to casting tackle anytime you need heavy line. But if you can get away with heavy braid, I can do that on spinning tackle. And when what's a scenario where that might be important? Maybe I'm finesse fishing for pike. Maybe I've got a quarter ounce hair jig that I'm throwing for pike, so I want to throw it on spinning tackle because it's lightweight, but I still need this tensile strength in case I hook a big pike. In that case, I might put 20 pound braid on a spinning rod and I've got plenty of tensile strength then and I can still cast my little hair jig a long ways. A really good example is bonefish in the, in the Florida Keys went bone fishing. I put 10 pound braid on because I wanted lots and lots and lots of braid, lots of miles of it because a bonefish is gonna go for a long way. They're not likely to break you off, but they're gonna go a long ways before they slow down. So I wanted a lot of line. So I put thin braid on there, 10 pound test on a spinning rod because the jigs I was going to be throwing to these bonefish were only an eighth of an ounce. <clears throat> so I can throw that jig very easily on a spinning rod, but I needed to have um, braid on there so that a fish can run a long ways. I've got plenty of tensile strength to deal with that fish and to cut the grass, the turtle grass that he might run around in. Uh, so I needed the tensile strength of 10 pound braid or more, um, but I didn't want a casting rod because I'm throwing little white lightweight jigs. So that can be a really important one. Another one can be when I'm going to choose a spinning rod over a casting rod is um, something that's a fatiguing thing. For me, a uh, jerkbait is a classic example. If I throw it on casting tackle, a jerkbait, first of all, jerkbaits don't, they're, as far as all the genres of baits, they're the hardest ones to cast because of their size versus their weight. So right off the bat, the spinning rod will get a little bit of an advantage there. Having said that, most of the good modern jerk baits can be cast on casting tackle. The way a spinning rod hangs in your hand, just hangs there with the spinning reel hanging off the bottom of it and the reel foot between your fingers, 
means that I don't have to hang on to the rod at all. I can literally have my hand completely open and hang on to it. So I can work that bait without having to grip the rod in any way, shape, or form. I can work that bait and the rod is literally just hanging in my hands and I can bounce the, the rod tip off the resistance of the bait in the water. I can get very precise action with a jerk bait on a spinning rod without wearing myself out if I, if I fish them all day long. <clears throat> and it's common for me to fish jerk baits all day long. It's also common for me to have guide clients in the boat and they wear out fishing jerk baits right away. <clears throat> and it's even worse if they're doing any of it on casting tackle. So it's just the fatigue issue is really good for spinning rod in that regard. And another scenario where I really, really like a spinning rod um, is where I really need to throw a long ways, even if it's a heavy bait, up to the point where there was a time when I was fishing a bunch of really long spinning rods like seven and a half to nine footers, because I could really launch a bait with them. If you're fishing open water scenarios, I do a lot of smallmouth bass fishing, and you get in wide open water with it versus you know point blank accurate stuff. Really long throws are better done with a spinning rod without question. Um, because For a given weight, I can throw it farther. It's just all there is to it. And I've, I debated that one years ago on film even. I got my best casting casting rod and my spinning rod out here and tried to throw you know half ounce things even. At the end of the day, there was no chance of making the distance uh, with me and two other people casting. None of us could cast the casting rod as far as we could cast a spinning rod. And uh, that's just all there was to it with everything else being equal. And that's with something that's right in the middle of design range of the casting rod and spinning rods we were throwing. At the end of the day, the spinning spool of the casting reel provided enough resistance to slow the whole thing down to where I could throw considerably farther with the spinning reel. So if I want to throw a long ways, <clears throat> I'm for sure going for the spinning reel. Now, when am I going for the casting reel? <clears throat> First of all, anytime I'm, I'm throwing a lot of really close range stuff. So in other words, uh, Pitching or flipping heavy cover would be the most obvious one, right? So an underhand cast, uh, otherwise known as a pitch, um, is no question. This, the casting reel is much, much faster. The casting reel is quicker because it's a true one-handed tool in the fact that I can mash the button and cast all in one shot. I don't have to catch the line, flip the bail, you know, the whole nine yards. So the casting reel can be very efficient in that regard. So also if I'm roll casting something, like for instance, going down the bank, throwing a crankbait, and I'm roll casting it, kind of doing a, a sidearm roll cast. And again, all of these casts and all of this information is on our YouTube channel in a whole series of, I think, three or four different videos there. And you can look them up. It's part ones through four. Uh, or send me an email and I'll send you the direct link to them at chat at fishfulthinker.com. But um, a casting reel is really good for the roll cast situation because it's quick and efficient. You mash the button, roll it out, close the bail, bam, you're just fishing constantly. can be really good in that regard. Anytime I've got a really heavy bait, uh, it's easier to cast because I don't have the tension of the line on my fingertip when I go to cast it. So something like a swim bait that weighs four ounces, I mean, yeah, I could use a surf rod or something to cast it, but really I'm going to be better off with a heavy casting rod in that scenario. So that's what I'll do. Anytime short to mid-range accuracy is a critical thing and I've got a big enough bait, I'm going to throw a casting rod as well. It can be very good there. Anytime I want really heavy mono or fluoro, in other words, say 12 pound or above, I, there's not a scenario in my, on my fishing in the last decade where there's heavier than 10 pound mono uh, or fluoro on a spinning rod because 
they just don't handle that well. If I need heavier tensile strength than that, I will go to a braided line and then I'll put a fluorocarbon leader or a monofilament leader on the end of it as the case might be and, and I'll rig my stuff up that way. But the scenario, if I need heavy braid or, or excuse me, if I need heavy fluorocarbon or heavy monofilament, then I'm going to do that on a casting rod as well. And that's typically gonna be paired with either big baits or very weedless baits. And if I'm fishing very weedless baits, you can almost guarantee that I'm gonna be on a casting rod because that bait is also likely heavy. <clears throat> There's a lot of areas that are gray for me. Uh, for instance, an unweighted soft stick bait. Okay, it's heavy enough I can throw it on either one. I can throw it more recklessly on spinning tackle than I can casting tackle, but I can have a little bit more hook setting power and a little bit more efficiency on casting tackle. So it will depend on my exact scenario as that's a bait I might throw on either one of them. Same thing with a topwater bait, a walking bait, like a, like a jaywalker or one of my all-time favorites, Driftwalker, Berkeley Driftwalker, fantastic topwater walking bait. It's light enough I can throw it on, on, or heavy enough I can throw it on a casting tackle, I should say, but not so heavy that it requires casting tackle. And if I want to cover a lot of water and throw it a really long ways, well, then I'll put it on light braid and throw it way out there. I mean, like we're talking like 75-yard type retrieves across open flats for smallmouth. Works great. Uh, I can't throw it that far on a casting rod, but I can throw it that far on a spinning rod. So that's a bait where I might go either way. If I had a full-size jaywalker on there that's, that's heavier, well, now I'm probably going to stick with casting tackle because even with that, even on 30-pound braid, I can throw it a long way. So again, it depends a little bit on the weight of the bait and the physical size of the bait because a half-ounce bait that's four times bigger in terms of size is still not going to cast as well as a dense, small half-ounce bait, right? So there's that. Uh, in saltwater scenarios, I pretty much always throw spinning tackle. And the reason being is there's a lot of skipping going on, a lot of, um, a lot of times breezy going on. And so in saltwater, I pretty much always throw spinning tackle. It's rare that I throw casting tackle. And the only time I do is if we're gonna be sort of bass fishing style where we're up tight around docks and stuff like that, at which point I might throw some casting tackle. But for inshore fishing, saltwater inshore fishing, I prefer to throw almost everything on spinning tackle, if not everything on spinning tackle. And when I travel anywhere, when I can only bring a couple of rods, let's say I'm gonna fly somewhere. For instance, I flew to Alaskan Adventures on the Halitna River this last year, each of the last two years actually. I brought medium heavy spinning tackle and 20 pound braid. And the reason being is I can do anything with that. I can throw light lures or heavy lures if I have to. Uh, there's no limitations to it. If the wind blows 100 miles an hour, that's another scenario where the spinning reel is way better, in my opinion. I don't care how good you are with a casting rod and how good you are with your thumb. If the wind's howling and you need to throw anything other than 45 downwind or straight downwind, the casting rod is going to be a major limitation and you're going to backlash. And I fished with some of the top pros in the country on the years they won their Angler of the Year stuff. Some of the most incredible casters you've ever seen, Brent Chapman being a good example of it. Brent Chapman, BSS and Major League Fishing Pro Brent Chapman, Angler of the Year in 2012, incredible caster will still backlash casting straight into the wind. It happens with everybody. Spinning rod's a better choice in that situation. Uh, again, because I can put heavy braid if I need and have plenty of tensile strength and I can literally punch a bait straight into the wind 
as hard as I want to throw it, and the chances of me backlashing are slim and none, so long as I didn't have loose wraps on my spinning reel in the first place, which is what I opened this podcast with, controlling your slack. So in that scenario, I like a spinning rod, and in a lot of scenarios in saltwater fishing, it's going to be breezy on an open flat, and you're not going to be able to get out of the wind. You're going to be on an open flat. Anybody that's ever fly fish for, for bonefish can tell you, you're going to be throwing in the wind all the time. <clears throat> and a lot of times, I'd, ra- I'd way rather almost always throw upwind than downwind because the chances, if there's enough wind to cause you casting problems, it's probably causing some current in the in the ecosystem the fish are in as well, and fish face up current. That's just what fish do. So I want to throw upwind most of the time because I don't want my bait retrieving up from behind my fish. Well, again, if that's the scenario, then the spinning rod's a better choice there. So... At the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. If you have to debate, if you can throw it on a spinning rod and that's what you already do, do it. If you want to throw casting gear up your game and learn how to do it in the long run, absolutely do it. Uh, but don't feel like, even if you're a pure bass fisherman, don't feel like that, oh, because I don't throw casting tackle, I can't be just as good. I can tell you right now that if I need to go pitch with a spinning rod, same as I would with a with a casting rod, the only thing that's going to change for me is the speed at which I can do it. I can do it quicker making a bunch of underhand pitches with a casting rod, but I am no more accurate with a casting rod than I am a spinning rod because I've spent a lot of my time developing the skills with both. <clears throat> same thing with mid-range casts and for sure the same thing with long-range casts because, again, I use the hand, the non-rod-holding hand. In other words, my reeling hand, I use that to control the slack coming off of my spinning reel. So I can still stop the bait wherever I want in the, in, as part of the cast, which is a technique I strongly suggest you learn. Uh, so my long-range accuracy is just as good with a spinning rod as it is with a casting rod. So accuracy used to be the thing that everybody would say, but at the end of the day, honestly, I can cast even at close range, as accurately with a spinning rod as I can with a casting rod. I just can't be quite as quick about it because I need to open the bale each time. That's what slows you down. Um, you know, if you if you feel like you feel like you want to learn casting tackle, let me throw you a couple quick bones about how to make it easy on yourself. First of all, start off with <clears throat> a medium or medium heavy powered rod, and whatever the weight range on that rod is let's say let's say you got a medium heavy and it's good for you know one quarter to five eighths of an ounce let's say which is a standard range for a medium heavy rod i'm going to put something on there that's like a half ounce to practice casting with so in other words i'm at the upper third of the weight range that the rod is designed to throw the other thing I'm going to do is put reasonably heavy monofilament. Typically, a medium-heavy casting rod is going to be rated for somewhere between 12 and 20-pound monofilament. Okay, I'm going to put something in the 15 or 17-pound range on that reel, and I'm going to do it with some cheap nylon mono. And the reason I'm going to do that is before it's over with, you're going to tangle it, and there's no point in putting expensive fluorocarbon or, or particularly braid. Braid is harder to learn on. Uh, it doesn't handle as well in a casting rod, so it's harder to learn on. It's got some quirks to it. So if you do it with, with nylon monofilament, it's cheap. So if you tangle it, it's not the end of the world. For one, for two, it handles easy on there <clears throat> as well. And so that's a key thing. And then what I'm going to do, and this is really important, I'm going to back my brakes, by both my high-speed and my low-speed brakes down quite a bit, like a whole bunch. 
uh, and there's videos on setting that as well on our on our YouTube. Uh, but then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull off as much line as I hope to cast, and no more than. In other words. As I'm learning, maybe I put 60 feet of line. I'm going to literally mash the button on the reel, set the rod on the ground, pull off 60 feet of line. I'm going to go back to the reel, and I'm going to take like a one-inch piece of electrical tape, and I'm going to tape it directly on the spool. I'm going to stick it directly on the spool of the line, right over where the line's coming off the spool. And the reason I'm going to do that, and then when I reel all that other line in, it's on top of that tape. And at the end, then, when you have that, when that whole process is done, you have no chance of backlashing deeper than that tape. The reel cannot spin fast enough to backlash deeper than that tape. So that will save you a whole bunch of headaches. And the, a shallow backlash is easy to get out. It's the deep backlash that causes you a whole bunch of problems. So keep that in mind. The other thing is when you are trying to pull a backlash out or anytime you're trying to pull slack line off of a casting reel and you need more line, your thumb needs to be on the spool. I am not an advocate with a spinning rod or a casting rod of having the bail open or the button pushed without controlling the line on the spool. <clears throat> Meaning that either my thumb is directly on the spool on a casting rod or my other thumb is directly on the lip of the spool or on the line on the spinning rod because again, slack is the enemy. Especially nylon monofilament and fluorocarbon monofilament have uh, memory to them, meaning they don't want to be wrapped tightly around that spool. They want to be a bigger diameter than that, and therefore they will cause you problems if you unattend the bale. So when let's say you you taped your back your baitcaster up, you made a cast, you got a little shallow bird's nest because it can't go too deep because of the tape. Push the button on the reel, but keep your thumb tightly on the spool as you pull that backlash out. Ninety nine and a half percent of the time, that backlash will pull right out because it's only a couple of wraps deep. If you didn't have that tape on the spool, it may backlash all the way or wrap all the way down into the, you know, well down into the spool and you may never get it out. You may be cutting it off with scissors. So keep that in mind as well. <clears throat> and, uh, and I think those two things will help you. So make sure you keep the, whatever you're practicing casting is in the upper two thirds weight of what the rod's designed to throw. Uh, set your brakes on the low end of the spectrum. Set the you know, so that you're not relying on the reel to stop the whole thing and learn to use your thumb. Start with, with short casts, not long casts, and just get a feel for, uh, for using your thumb. And I think you'll find out that it'll work. It's not as hard as you think, and that tape will keep you from getting so frustrated while you're learning or going broke, re-spooling your reel constantly. And just for the record, all of my casting reels and I mean all of them, not a few of them, all of them have tape in there at some someplace in there because no matter what happens, if I snag the, the, you know, the light in the back of my boat or I have a sword fight with another angler on the deck or whatever the case might be, I can't backlash the reel. If I just make a bonehead move and try to throw it straight in the wind and don't keep good control of the spool, it will not backlash any deeper than that tape. And if you do hook a great big fish it, and, it, and he pulls a bunch of drag for some crazy reason, it will pop that tape right off there without any problem. And so it does not cause you an issue fighting fish, uh, doesn't hurt your line any. So all of mine are taped so that no matter what happens, I don't have a backlash that's any worse than I can get out. And that tip alone will save you a lot of money over time. So again, guys, this is a kind of a tricky topic, but there is not a black and white answer for casting gear versus spinning gear. Uh, there's some basic parameters, right? So Heavy baits do better on casting gear. Heavy lines do better on casting gear. Lighter baits, lighter lines do better on spinning gear. 
Spinning gear is more versatile because I can do anything I need to with it. And the most versatile of all, as far as I'm concerned, tackle-wise, is as far as freshwater fishing is concerned, the most versatile of all is medium-heavy spinning tackle with with uh, some sort of a mid-level braid, like 15 to 30-pound to braid on it. I can literally do anything with that. So the rod that stays in my truck is a medium-power spinning rod with 15-pound braid on it, and I can fish anything from bluegills to pike with it. And you just don't get that level of versatility with a casting rod. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. Go to our YouTube channel and check out the, uh, the videos there. There's, the videos are far more self-explanatory, and especially when it comes to the nuts and bolts of casting these and managing slack for either type of, of line uh, or, or tackle, I should say. So check those out at Fishful Thinker. Uh, of course, the rest of our social media at Fishful Thinker as well, whether it be Instagram or Facebook. We'd appreciate that, especially uh, if you'd subscribe to our podcast while you're here. So thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. 